the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Wednesday, April 26, 2023. Hello, David. Good to see you. How are you? Do you have a pin on today? Indeed, I do. All right. We'll get to that later. Don't tell me what it is. Phone number for you folks, 602-508-0960, And uh, let's see. Yes, I do have a monologue. This will, as the political culture pushes these things these days come as something like the right is now politicizing Mother's Day or the right wing is weaponizing Mother's Day in a new front on their culture wars. Something like that. It's almost as if the normal rules of rhetoric have been totally obliterated. When someone responds to something, that is not an initiation of a discussion. That is a returned volley, or as I said, a response. Thesis Antithesis, synthesis. The defense attorney or client in a civil or criminal case is not initiating a conversation in front of a jury. They are responding to the plaintiff or prosecutor, the accusation. When someone defends themselves rhetorically as well as kinetically, it is in a reaction, an answer, a reply. The killing of Japanese Admiral, excuse me, Japanese Admiral Isoruku Yamamoto was not our weaponization or initiation of violence. It was in response to his attack on Pearl Harbor. And so it is with all these culture wars we are involved in when red state governors try to limit what is effectively child pornography in the curriculum in the elementary grades of our school children. It is in reaction to someone else's first effort to deploy those shockingly inappropriate books in the schools in the first place, in the first instance. They fired the first shots, and we get blamed for engaging or trying to do something about it. Perhaps because the left has felt empowered to run the schools and our culture for so long with conservative or traditional acquiescence or ignorance, they started to believe there was no other point of view, or another point of view was alien or intruding into their territory. When Joe Biden or Terry McAuliffe says that school children in our nation are, the children, are their children and nobody else's, you get that exact sense. Who the heck are these parents to come in and tell us their point of view? What rights do they have? Who the heck are these conservatives to tell us fifth, grader, fifth graders should not be taught about sex, be it heterosexual or some other kind? And so we now come to Mother's Day. You've seen this, David? Fry's Food Stores is now putting out tweets saying this, quote, We know Mother's Day and Father's Day can be sensitive times for some. If you'd like to opt out of our emails and push notifications for these holidays, please tap below. Don't worry, you'll still receive all our other emails, close quote. A trigger warning about Mother's Day or Father's Day. Another from K Jewelers, you've heard of K Jewelers, quote, We're here for you. We know Mother's Day can be a challenging time. 
which is why we want to know if you'd rather not receive Mother's Day related emails. Click the button below and we'll take care of the rest. As always, you'll still be the first to know about new styles you'll love, close quote. Who knew mothers and fathers and jewelry now needed to come with trigger warnings? I'm going to guess soon we'll have it for the 4th of July and Thanksgiving as well. Perhaps Christmas. As Charlie Kirk asked, do you think anyone will get an opt-out or trigger warning for Pride Month campaign advertisements? Doubtful. But let's step back just a moment with a question that's in back of all of this. Is our culture such that we actually, what we actually need is less celebrations of and reminders of the importance of mothers and fathers, especially fathers? Many were shocked in 2020 when the largest and most potent movement of the decade, the Black Lives Matter movement, put forward an education curriculum, one of the planks of which stated, quote, we dismantled a patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so that they can mother in private, even as they participate in public justice works. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement, close quote. Aside from not knowing anywhere in America that requires mothers to work at all, much less double shifts, it was, as I say, of some shock to many that the movement wanted to disrupt what it called the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. Again, I don't know anywhere in America where the organization of a family is prescribed or required, but we all knew what the movement meant when they wrote it, right? Especially when they added the word patriarchal. Odd was not only that this movement thought families and familial cohesion was a problem. Odder still was the idea that the improvement of black lives in America would come from less fathers, which is what patriarchy means. Take a moment on this. Are fewer two-parent families a good thing for black lives or any lives? Only if one is a Marxist, divorced from all reality, where the worse things are, the better they are for the revolutionary purposes. That is not an exaggeration. According to the latest census report, over 57.5% of black children, 31.2% of Hispanic children, and 21% of white children are living absent their biological fathers. I've seen numbers even higher. It was just under 25% for black Americans when Daniel Moynihan wrote his now famous report in 1965, and about 10% for white Americans. So what are we doing to our children, from toddlers to teens, from toddlers being instructed in complex race theory to Teen Vogue, promoting the virtues of communism, to the Cartoon Network, promoting the virtues of transgenderism, to the AFT and NEA and nearly everyone else, including Joe Biden saying, A, children are not their parents' children, but their school's children, and B, it is recrudescent book banning to keep highly sexualized themed books outside of the curriculum and availability of five and six and seven-year-olds. Recall what I mentioned yesterday. The current lawsuit over transgenderism and athletics in our schools in Arizona right now is being brought by a student's parents, a student who began his transition transition at the age of seven, seven, when most kids are learning about the dangers of playing with fire and things like stranger danger. Radical feminism meet racial Marxism and now see corporate America following suit. 
We thought the BLM curriculum would have baleful consequences down the line and over the years. Turns out they didn't even need to go to the schools. They could leapfrog right into corporate America with the adults, be it at Anheuser-Busch or Fry's Food Stores or K-Jewelers. It's interesting these corporations are not going full Karl Marx. Note they say not to worry. You'll get all their other advertising. Just that will let you opt out of that which celebrates families, mothers, fathers, or what Patrice Coulours would call the Western nuclear family structure. Who, two or three years ago, would have thought that our fetishism with trigger warnings would now include trigger warnings about the messaging of motherhood and fatherhood or mothers and fathers? Maybe nobody. But there were those in the 19th century who could have thought about it. As Karl Marx wrote in his Communist Manifesto, quote, abolition of the family. On what foundation is the present family, the bourgeois family based? On capital, on private gain. It is, in its completely developed form, the family exists only among the bourgeois. But this state of things finds its complement in the practical absence of the family among the proletarians and in public prostitution. The bourgeois family, he continued, will vanish as a matter of course when its complement vanishes. And both will vanish with the vanishing of capital. Do you charge us with wanting to stop the exploitation of children by their parents? To this crime we plead guilty, close quote. And now, folks... You understand what is meant by the Bidens and McAuliffe's who say the children are not their parents. They are the schools. They are the states. Now you can understand why the BLM movement in its curriculum designed by self-declared trained Marxist states the disruption of the Western family is one of the BLM goals because it is one of Marxism's goals. Marx put it that nature is a, quote, totality of needs and drives and that needs drive nature, not the other way around. In other words, nature is a social construct. You've heard that phrase a lot lately, social construct. How many times have you heard over the past two years that sex and gender are also social constructs? Marx put this perfectly clearly when he wrote, quote, the essence of man is no abstraction inherent in each single individual. In reality, it is the ensemble of social relations, close quote. A social construct is, in other words, whatever humans can make of it. Thus, no need for distinctions between humans and animals, humans and gods, families and no families, men and women. Indeed, and now, we have trigger warnings, not just about violence and drug use or smoking or post-traumatic stress, but motherhood and fatherhood. The cultural collapse here is careening in a rather direct and specific direction. But do understand when we push back, that is what we are doing, pushing back. We didn't start this. We didn't initiate this. We just wanted to be left alone. We just wanted our children to learn math and English and geography. We just wanted to celebrate mothers and fathers and strengthen families. They, on the other hand, wanted to and want to tear down everything that exists. A perfectly framed Marxist notion, quote, everything that exists deserves to perish, Marx would often quote from Goethe's Faustus. I have a better novelist, Flannery O'Connor, who wrote, push back is hard against the age that pushes against you. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, the House Republicans uh, had a big vote today um, to pass a bill that will uh, raise the debt limit and slash spending. Um, this will be interesting to see how it is characterized uh, by Karin Jean-Pierre, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, when they say the Democrats haven't offered us a plan, won't offer, excuse me, the Republicans haven't offered us a plan, won't offer us a plan, won't negotiate with us. Yeah, they are. They did. They passed a piece of legislation today that would be exactly what compromise is, raising the debt ceiling and cutting spending. Uh, we'll see how the Democrats weaponize against it, because now they actually have a Republican Party in a majority of one of the houses that is trying to work with the Democrats. It's not going to be easy to continue to blame Republicans unless the um, unless the uh, media covers enough for them that uh, the Democrats will uh, have their message carry the day. I've been impressed with the way Kevin McCarthy has been firing back. I saw him at a press conference today doing a pretty damn good job of it, uh, pushing up against and back against uh, the mainstream media in uh, their critique of the legislation. Legislation which, to me, seems pretty serious. The um, speculation about Joe Biden and his effort to now join the re-election race for certain with his campaign video that he put out yesterday... Um, I was talking to someone earlier who said, well, I guess he's running for reelection right now. But, you know, even though he put out his campaign video, it doesn't mean he's going to stick with it. How many times has he told you things that he has not followed through on? I mean, he could change his mind. And that's certainly a possibility. Uh, And then it becomes an interesting question as to who the Democrats will nominate. I don't know. Maybe Robert Kennedy Jr. will uh, be making some traction here. But I am amazed. I am just amazed at uh, what the rhetoric was Joe Biden put in his campaign ad yesterday. It was just it was a bizarre, angry, mean spirited, dark, not morning in America, dark days in America kind of video. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. First, Doug is in Carefree. Hello, Doug. Hi, Seth. How uh, are you? I'm doing really well. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, Good. I'm actually driving through Carefree as we speak. Okay. Um, so you can vote yourself to be socialist, but typically you have to shoot your way out of it. And so a national divorce might be a more amenable way to versus a gunfight. But, you know, to, you know, to follow on to your last comment about you know, Biden's announcement, um, I didn't find it odd and, you know, based on earlier rhetoric at all. I mean, it's part and parcel to his uh, Philadelphia, you know, speech from Hades, uh-huh. the red backdrop in the Marines. Yeah. And, you know, those evil MAGA Republicans want to deny you your quote unquote democracy, despite being a constitutional republic, you know, um, I unfortunately think that when we gave up the academy in the 1970s, we essentially committed national suicide. And we can either roll with it and don't give two hoots on about how it turns out, which I'm not really inclined to do, or we can get ready for the shootout. Because I don't think that the left will allow for a national divorce. Just thought I'd uh, 
poke the bear and see what the bear said. What, is, what does a national divorce mean or look like? I've heard various phraseologies of it and uses of it, I, but I've never really gotten a firm grasp. Uh, and maybe everyone means something a little bit different by it. Well, I, At the I, most I, innocuous, I let me try it this way, Doug. At the most innocuous, it means more of what we've seen with people voting with their feet, moving to you know more, more, more conservatives, moving to red states and that sort of thing. Uh, well, Florida, to me, a, na- a, national, a national divorce is kind of along the uh, Kelly Trumbull novels uh, written by uh, uh, Schlichter. Um, Kurt Schlichter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, you know, we, we divide the country up, and the left moves into its enclaves, and the right moves into theirs, or blue, red, however you want to break it up. I, I think it's a nonsensical position because you know I mean, we're well we're, we're all living amongst each other yeah right so it's, right right it's right not a, it's not a practical thing but philosophically it it engenders you know maybe a relief valve for people's you know emotions but honestly it, it, uh, you know, it's very frustrating for me because you know I spent 32 years in service and, you know, when I was out doing stuff, you know, defending the Constitution against all enemies foreign, and now it's, hopefully I won't have to defend against domestic, but whatever. It, you know, I was kind of assuming that my fellow members of the polity were doing their job and keeping things in order, but they weren't. You know, and I'll, I'll, take, I'll take some responsibility for giving up the Academy in the 70s. I mean, I'm 61. So in the 70s, I was a teenager, you know, and in 1980, the first time I could vote, I voted for Ronald Reagan. So, you know, there's this kind of, you know, very sarcastic, sardonic phrase that we use in the military. Well, we were winning when I left. uh, (laughs) I like that. I hadn't heard that before. Okay. And and, and so, (laughs) you know, when I went off, after I graduated school, went off into the service. You know, basically, we were winning when I went into the service. Let me do this, Doug. And this is this is such a I, I mean a, such a pregnant topic, and I know it's on a lot of people's minds. I got to do our culture and economy update. If you have a, a moment um, to do this with me, can you call me back at the top of the hour at four o'clock or at the top of the four o'clock hour, and we'll get into it a little bit more because I have the culture and economy update, and then I have another guest on uh, something else, but I, I'm happy. I would love to pursue this more with you if you don't mind, or if you can't call back today, another day. Um, but 4 o'clock would be great if you can, Doug. I'd love to pursue it more. I really would. I think it's on a lot of people's minds, and I think it's causing a lot of confusion, too. I think we should address it and address it um, full on, head on. Thanks. Thanks for putting it on the table, Doug. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. He brings us our culture and economy update. And he also has his own show every Saturday morning here at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. How are you today, John? Fantastic. How about yourself, it's, Seth? It's, I, I'm doing just fine. I'm doing just Great. fine. I was looking at the markets today. Kind of uh-huh. kind of interesting. Tech, 
tech stocks seem to do okay today, huh? Yeah. They kind of, uh, but the Dow and the S&P kind of went down a little bit, huh? Yeah, you know, it's similar to what we talked about yesterday yeah. when we had uh, Google come out with their uh, earnings yeah. uh, report along with, um, you know, some other tech tech companies, Microsoft and such, and then today Meta reported. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, it was you know, a, a positive report for them because they have reported uh, a loss over the last three quarters, and they now, moving moving from this point forward, have given us some good forward guidance, some better-than-expected forward guidance, and they actually uh, beat the expected earnings and uh, revenue. So things have turned around for Meta, and it's kind of a, a little bit of an interesting scenario here. We have tech stocks, which are doing fairly well right now, as well as we talked yesterday about some of these uh, companies who are charging more for food, yeah. such as McDonald's yeah. and Chipotle. And, yeah. uh, so, you know, we're all waiting for this shoe to drop out there uh, and, and go into a recession. Uh, but we keep getting reports like this that keep kind of second-guessing what uh, others are out there saying. I'm not saying that there's still not a risk yeah. of a recession, yeah. but these types of uh you know, earnings reports that come out give us uh, some hope. And maybe with the House uh, passing a proposal to raise the debt limit and get yes, us through uh, the yeah. impasse might might be good for the markets tomorrow, at least for a day before the political yeah, because, infighting yeah. starts, I, I would think. Speaker McCarthy got that, got that through today, which was... Uh, uh, a pretty good thing. Yeah, no, and, I think uh, so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. The other interesting thing I'm noticing is we're just not done with uh, with the banking stories, are we? We're not done no. with Sil- Silicon Valley. We're not mm-hmm. done with First Republic. This is this is hanging on like a bad cold, right? Yeah, First Republic, again, it was down about 50% yesterday, down another 25 or so percent today. Uh, and it's looking like uh, it's very possible that we may have another potential failure with that bank. And if so... Uh, what is that going to mean? Yeah, or are we going to see other banks come back? That's and, right. And They're continue. talking about other banks, shadow banks, I guess they call yeah. them in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No. So it's going to be an interesting um, you know, next couple of weeks to see how all the fallout of this occurs. And is a lot of this still because of the debt, the government debt they were they were invested in so heavily? Is that is that what's kind of what 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 what, what kind of roiled them or or is it just an amalgam of problems? That's part of it, but there was such a a, a quick withdrawal of uh, you know deposits. Yeah, uh, that occurred over the panic that, of uh, it. Yeah, over the panic of it, and they they haven't received those deposits back fully at this point, even though they did receive thirty billion dollars from I believe it was nine or eleven different banks. Right. Um, and the question is, is of course that was an unsecured loan to that bank. Uh, are, are those banks potentially at risk? at this point, of losing that $30 billion if, if First uh, Republic does fail. And then on the other side, if First Republic does fail, will the government come in like they did with Silicon Valley Bank and say, well, we're going to cover all depositors uh, under the FDIC umbrella, even if you had more than $250,000 in the, in the bank? How closely, John, do you... Uh, you've, we've talked a little bit about this in the past. How closely... Do you pay attention to major companies that make major news? So, for example, today Disney suing Florida, let us say, right. or uh, Amazon laying off employees, let us say. I know you, you put people together in diversified investments so that they can cover anything like that. But how closely do you follow the news on a, on a, on a major company doing a major, a major thing like that? Well, it's very important. Uh, you know, and it's interesting. You think, okay, Disney now going into uh, some type of a 
a legal battle yeah, with uh, right. the state of Florida, you think that's going to be a negative, but right. for some reason the stock price is up a little today. Right. So um, we certainly are going to follow any news that or, or any stocks that we are recommending to our clients, um, and we want to understand the implications of, of, of any type of uh, issue that may affect that. Um, and sometimes these things are good. You know, you get companies that are laying off uh, people, as I have said in the past, right, sometimes bad news is good news yeah. for companies. Uh. And in a situation where companies are cutting costs uh, and still able to get to a point where they're profitable, uh, sometimes that, that's a positive for a company. But we're looking at that as well. And that was a perfect example of Meta, who was uh, having some yeah. large cuts to their workforce right. far earlier than a lot of these other tech companies. They went through three bad quarters, uh, but now here they are, uh, you know, on the other side of that and may actually be further ahead from some of these other tech companies. Yeah, 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 kind of a new version of a leading indicator. And I yeah, suppose Disney exactly. will do well when they file their plaintiff's uh, complaint, but maybe they won't do as well when Florida responds with their answer. Possibly not. <laughs> Thank right. you, John. You bet. Folks can go to our website and request an appointment there at GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA, and Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, brother. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delight to bring back to the uh, airwaves Brett Johnson. He is a partner at the law firm of Snell & Wilmer, based here Locally in Phoenix, offices around the country, swlaw.com is his website. He's our constitutional and elections attorney and expert. Brett, how are you today? Good, Seth. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Question I get often, uh, and it comes and goes in waves, it seems like, uh, that I wanted to run through with you and by you, is when parents notice, say, that their teachers, their children's teachers weigh in on um, political issues, uh, whether it's perhaps on their social media accounts or even sometimes in the classroom with a hat or or a shirt or uh, even saying things in the classroom that they deem political. What are the contours of that? What are the what are the First Amendment uh, rights and wrongs on that? Brett. Yeah, uh, it depends on which classroom, of yes, course, right? Of course. Um, so, so private schools, they they are governed by the the private laws. So, we we're not talking about those. We're right. talking about public schools here. And then you have to bifurcate those even K through twelve, which makes sense, and then higher education. But there's also uh, um, basically a theory or concept out there that once you get into middle school or high school, there should be different standards. But right now, pretty much the courts have evaluate it along those two lines. What happens in K through 12 and then what happens after your age 18 in college? In K through 12, it's very, very restricted. And, and uh, there's been a lot of case law going back and forth um, using uh, because when the employee, the teacher is a public employee, so they work for the government. And as they're performing a government function, even though uh, they may argue, I still retain my First Amendment rights, and of course they do, but when they're acting in the role as a government employee, the courts have been pretty clear that the boards, the boards of education, have the ability to limit the speech of teachers and school administrators from K through 12. 
Now, again, when that teacher or the coach, you might remember the Bremerton case that we talked to about several months ago, the football coach oh, yeah, yeah, up yeah. in Washington. Right, yeah, right, right. And, and he brought up a, a First Amendment challenge because he was disciplined for praying after a football game. Right. And what the, the Supreme Court does, said in that case, the U.S. Supreme Court said in that case was, well, that was after hours. Uh-huh. And, and the coach was able to do it, and no one was forced or coerced to join the coach. You had the cheerleader case in Florida right. also right. outside of school. Um, and and so the the courts have kind of gone back and forth on on this issue, but the K through twelve is pretty pretty strict. So if if a teacher is acting outside of what the board of education has has allowed within that school district or within that state, and again a lot of state legislatures are evaluating this exact issue right now mm-hmm. for a variety mm-hmm. of different issues, mm-hmm. um, then that that teacher can be held accountable. Um, disciplined, suspended, and even terminated, and, and, and it happens on a regular basis. If they're doing it on their government dime or on their government, government time. time. Uh, government time or time. And that's broad, right? That's not just in the classroom. That's a lot right. of people saying, I, I'm in charge of a club or I right. organized a, 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 an event after school. Right. No, you're still wearing your teacher hat there. Um, but they don't, if they show up at a school board hearing, yep. and even though they identify themselves as a teacher and right. say, hey, I believe that I should be able to teach this book um, in school. I think they're given more latitude the in that case, right? 100% latitude because they've taken off of their employee hat and they're showing up as a member of a public to advocate for themselves as to what they believe. They're not there as a representative of the school district. You never shed your profession by any means. But but when you're acting in that profession, you you have to act accordingly. Lawyers the same way, right? There's certain things that I can't say when, when I'm involved in a case. Now, it does make it a little more tricky, and I don't know if it's it's been solved definitively one way or the other when a teacher posts on social media, uh, let's say on their Facebook page or something like that, especially if they are encouraging students to check out their Facebook pages, right? I mean, that, that could become a little iffy, couldn't it? That's exactly right. Where that would probably, the line would be drawn there, is as if they're using it as an education tool. Right. Okay? Right. Um, and they're, or they're advocating for some sort of action at the school district. Let's go back to the cheerleader situation. Okay. The cheerleader in, in, the, in the Florida case became very upset because she didn't meet the cheerleading team, and she had some nice words to say on social media that are not appropriate for the radio. But <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't take, she was just frustrated, and she took that out. Whereas if you, um, in a similar, in a different case where people were uh, talking on social media about potential violence at a school, again, outside communication on social media, but it impacted the school, it was appropriate to discipline those students, even though the, um, the, the comment, the First Amendment right protected speech that would be normally done was not done in the school place. Right. So a couple years back when we had uh, the Red for Ed protests, if, if I have that right, or was it Red for Ed? Isn't that what it's called? I think yeah, it was. That Red yeah. for Ed. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, gosh, you're bringing up memories. Yeah, here. right. It, it wasn't <laughs> that long ago, but yeah, yeah, I remember parents calling saying, "Is it appropriate that the teacher is wearing that shirt in the classroom?" And the que- and I and I suppose in a strict matter, depending on the school board policy, they could bar it. But it's really a question of enforcement at that point too, isn't it? I mean, the, the trouble you invite in, in the enforcement of it. That that's true, but if 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 there is a policy either um, by the school board itself 
the Board of Education, in this case the state of Arizona, or the legislature, right. and, and discipline action were not, was not taken by, um, by the school board to enforce the policy or enforce the law, the parents still have rights. That's yep. not just the first right. They, they're able to report it to the Department of Education, Fair. to the Board of Education, right. and the Attorney General's office, for sure. And, and, and it's kind of an irony when people look through this case law on this stuff, isn't it, that they read things like the public employee has First Amendment rights so long as it is not part of their public employment. It's kind of a hard thing to work your brain through, but that's basically w- what it comes down to. Your free speech rights are complete so long as it's not part of your job. That's exactly yeah, right, yeah, and, yeah. and and that's across the the um, you know the spectrum here. Yeah. So when we, when I was in the military, for example, oh, in the yeah, federal government, sure. you did right. there there was the Hatch Act. That's the right. Hatch Act. But by the way, Orrin Hatch, great great senator from from Utah, um, basically said, "Hey, listen, if you're acting in a governmental um, uh, official capacity, you should not be showing up at political events and doing political activities on the government dime. It's yeah. that it's that simple. So that limits that government official." ability to advocate for what they believe in, but the Hatch Act re- uh, restricts that, and it's, and it's really, really enforced. Yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> it's also used <laughs> as a dodge. You don't have to comment on this, but yes. I, I have never heard from the White House podium more use of the phrase the Hatch Act than I have in the last two years. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, absolutely, and it's also a way for politicians not to yeah. show up at yeah. events. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Brett Johnson, you're, you're a gem. Thank you for ironing that out for us, sir. Thank you. You betcha. Brett Johnson from the Snell and Wilmer Law Firm, SWLaw.com. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Folks, with the bank failures and the stock market volatility, inflation and possible recession on the horizon. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate return not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? Enter Y-Refi. They're offering you the investment in a portfolio, an investment in a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. Why Refi is local. You can stop by their offices. I encourage you to do so over on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there plenty. And I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Why Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much. And you can too. A due diligence approved firm. You can check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. 888-Y-REFI-34. Uh, Brett asked me if I was okay. We heard my voice has got still a little spielkus in it. And uh, some weird allergy. It's, I don't know I, if it's affecting other people or not, but just weird allergies over the last few days. We'll be fine. David, what do you got for our political pin? Today I've got Phil Crane for president. Oh, boy. Oh Phil boy. Crane. That brings back memories. 1972? Oh, no. Six, uh, Have I got gotcha? you? Maybe. Hold on. Hold on. I thought he wanted to run against Nixon in the primary. No? No, I believe you're thinking of John Ashbrook. I am thinking of John Ashbrook. So Phil Crane would have been 76? 
1980. He a was um yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's Illinois. right that's yes. right that's right 1980. He was uh he was featured heavily in that. Did you ever see that movie on Phyllis Schlafly in the ERA? I forget what it was called, but it was a really good. I think it was a Showtime series. Phyllis Schlafly, kind of her against Gloria Steinem. And it could have been so much worse. It was really pretty good. And uh, Phil Crane had a TV show, I guess, a local TV show in uh, Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, he um, he featured Phyllis Schlafly uh, a lot on his TV show. And I guess at one point encouraged her to run for office. But Phil Crane, 1980, huh? Yes. Okay, he, good. He announced early yep. in 78, before yep. the midterms. Yep. yep. Yes. And it didn't go very far, did it? No, he, he kind of uh, slid in with the Reagan camp. Yeah. You know? And then the name of Phil Crane kind of got uh, taken away by history to other names like Gingrich. Yes, uh, yes right, uh, right, but right. do you know whose seat he – who held this, his mm, congressional seat before him? Uh, who had it before – no, give it to me. One Donald Rumsfeld. Is that right, Don That's Rumsfeld, right. for yes. one term, right? Uh, yes, before entering into the Nixon administration. Nicely yes. done, sir. Well done. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.